Blog Talk Radio. Time with Pastor Steph. That's what I like to hear. For this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. So, where were you yesterday? Ah, yesterday was Let's Talk About It Tuesday Church Folk Day. And we are, (laughs) we had quite a story. Oh, we started off talking about the California double amputee, oh, Mr. Anthony Lowe, who was murdered, yeah, as Pastor Jeff said, execution style by the cops. Now, he had possibly gotten into an altercation with a gentleman who pointed out that his, you know, attackee or attacker was a man in a wheelchair with a knife. And upon, you know, trying to detain this potential uh, perpetrator, the cops tried to tase him, but that didn't work. And they ended up pumping 10 shots into him killing him, putting into question, again, the police force and their tactics, and now another man is dead. How are you dead? A double amputee with a knife poses no real threat. No, come on now. You know, Pastor K.L. talked about You know, if this man was rolling himself, you know, if he had like a non-motorized wheelchair, how in the world do you pose a threat and you can't even walk? Oh, my goodness gracious. You know, again, you have just like these Memphis officers, just like these other officers, you know, they are really out of control. These police are really out of control, and we just really hope that the family gets justice, 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 because that was murder, murder, murder. 
Oh, my goodness gracious. Well, we also talked about the family of three. Morgan, 26. Dad, James, 62. Mom, Deborah, 59, who were found dead in the backyard of their York, Pennsylvania home to suicide. Oh, another questionable, you know, uh, situation of mental illness. Why, 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 why um, do we end up going down this road? You know, this was a really uh, interesting uh, situation because in this suicide note, the father wrote, with only two guns and me being shaky, my wife, Debbie, pulled the trigger for me. And Debbie, the wife, wrote in the suicide note, I was too shaky, so my daughter pulled the trigger for me. And that was the prophet, De- uh, Morgan, who she was talking about, uh, who claims to be a prophet of the Most High. And, you know, again, this would have to be a situation of mental illness because there's no way in the world, you know, you would talk about three individuals who would just end up committing suicide. Like nobody, not one in three, you know, that this is mother, father, and daughter. And these were not senior citizens, you're not talking about. You know, any senility, it's just really a sad situation. Ah, goodness gracious. You know, and again, this is how, you know, and this is what, rather, the the onlooker sees, the onlooker hears, who is not a Christian person. You know, they, they look at these people who claim to be children of the Most High, messengers of the Most High, and it puts into question who God really is. So, you know, prayers for their family, you know, went up yesterday from us because really, you know, people are left with a lot more questions than answers. Ah, but the biggest story of the morning was the Urban Christian Academy out in Kansas City who decided that they no longer wanted to operate in secrecy and, you know, they wanted to show their support outright, openly, show their support for the LGBTQ community and decided to reveal that that's who, you know, they were supporting and, hmm... The community who supported them was no longer supportive. The churches who had been supporting them were no longer supportive. And they initially lost 42% of their funding. And then by the end of 2022, they lost as much as 80% of their funding. And went down the drain. You know, they started with having to shut down.
their kindergarten, first and second grade, and now they've been forced to shut everything down. Yeah, the school is no longer in session. And nice conversation yesterday, actually. Nice conversation, you know, but at the end of the day, you know, what are we talking about here? We're talking about you entitling your school Urban Christian Academy and without, you know, being able to say, you know, who individuals, what individuals will be destined for hell. We do know that God is not happy with this LGBTQ community. And what are you doing when you step outside the parameters of Christianity and getting the support that came from the community. You know, this was a tuition-free school to the children or for the children because the community and the churches supported it. What kind of sense did it make for you to now support or begin to support? Who really knows how long they have been supporting this LGBTQ community, and we really don't know who on the inside was a part of the LGBTQ community. We don't know. Maybe the people that ran the school, for real, for real. You know, not just the staff. You know, they said they, that you know, that the LGBTQ uh, staff and uh, um, uh, students, you know, they have to live in hiding, and they no longer wanted to support the fact that they had to live in hiding, and they wanted to show that, you know, you step out there. <laughs> Woo, baby. Uh, that wasn't such a great idea, was it? Nah, not really. Because, you know, God had more to say about this thing than they actually thought he did. You know, I don't think people really think about, you know, what God has to say. You know, I mentioned the other day when, you know, when when people come to me and ask me things, I always ask, you know, well, what did God say? And, you know, some have said, you know, God don't speak to me like that and, um... You know, they respond like that. However, the leading of the Lord is huge. You know, if you have the spirit of the Lord, you are definitely um, able to get guidance because that's what it's given to you for. It's given to you to bring back remembrance of scriptures that you've read and all the things that God has said in his written word. And, you know, just... You're not left alone to wonder what you need to do. Because what, why, then why choose God? You know, when we choose the Lord, we say, you know, we choose God to be the head of our life, to guide us and counsel us and advise us and, you know, just kind of show us what to do and stop us from making that left turn when we need to make the right turn and stop us from going up when we need to be going down. And Well, come on now. If you are running the Urban Christian Academy. I would like to think that you were a baptized individual, and I would like to also think that you were a an individual that was led by the leading of, you know, by God. 
man, then what you doing? Then why would you even bother to step out there like that? You know, if people, you know, and I, I, I talked about this yesterday. My thing is just go to work. Just go to work. Nobody needs to know what community you belong to. You know, it, it's a plus if you work for the Urban Christian Academy to actually uh, be a Christian. <laughs> yes, we, we get that. But as far as those sexual preference and all of this kind of stuff, unless you go start spouting some information into your lesson plan regarding this community, then who cares? Let God lead you. So, in other words, if you are in any kind of community that is ungodly, because not just the LGBTQ community is ungodly, if you're using drugs or if you're an alcoholic or whatever the, the sin is that's governing your life, if you are actually working in a capacity where God needs you to be pure and clear, then God will deal with you. So you wouldn't be working at the Urban Christian Academy very long if, you know, if that was really your lifestyle, you know. It would be exposed. But for the school to say, you know, listen, I, we, we, we don't want them to be in hiding, and we don't want to be in hiding anymore. Well, you know, we all figured out that it, it's, it was just time. They thought that the harvest was ripe and they could come out like all the other uh, areas and that community would be able to stand up, stand out, speak up, speak out, and they would be protected. Yeah, like everybody else in that community feels. You know, they got a loud voice and they rule a whole lot. Oh, yeah. Everybody's trying to make a move because they need that community because they, they're so large to support them. Well, look what happened here. <laughs> boy, oh, boy, oh, boy, did that sink your ship. So, listen, get your life right with God so that you can live pure and clear and clean. And you don't have to worry about the backlash of life. Okay? All right. Well, that's how we spent our Tuesday. So today is Wow Wednesday. Oh, we have been ushered into the middle of the week. And we're so grateful to God for all that he has done, all that he has allowed us to do. And we're going to celebrate him today as always. So take this time to go get this healthy breakfast that you got up in that cabinet in that refrigerator. Go tell somebody that it's due time with Pastor Steph is on. And whatever you do, don't go anywhere because we'll be right back. Hi, I'm Councilmember Myrtle Cole. I'm honored to be the first African-American woman elected to the San Diego City Council. February is Black History Month, 
At City Hall, we are highlighting two areas of significant contribution for this year's celebration. First, the role of music in black history. We are taking a look at some genres that constitute African American music, from Negro spiritual to R&B to gospel and much more. Secondly, the City Hall Lobby exhibit will celebrate the beauty, brilliance, and bravery of black women. It highlights our amazing local trailblazers and the achievements of women around the world. Please join me as we celebrate Black History Month in the city of San Diego. Conscious. We are starting off with a story that I thought would serve as a warning to residents in New York, but actually turned out to be a runner-up for our wild story of the week. The report says that police are searching for two suspects who posed as Con Edison employees and robbed a Brooklyn apartment Tuesday morning. So the woman who asked to remain anonymous says she walked out of the elevator of her apartment at around 2.30 a.m. and heard someone coming down the stairs 
So she kind of rushed to her apartment. She opened the door, and as she was closing the door, she said she spotted two people in the stairwell who then put face masks on, and moments later, she heard a knock on her door and someone saying, Con Ed, she says she remembers saying, why is Con Ed knocking on my door? My lights aren't off. And as she began to open the door, they forced themselves inside and pointed a gun at her head and told her not to make any sound. They then tied her up, gagged her, and began rummaging through her apartment. They stole jewelry, a TV, and other valuables, turned on some water, and ran out the apartment. Um, the downstairs neighbors was the ones who actually called 911 when water began leaking into her apartment. So now at 2.30 in the morning, why are we opening the door? I mean, I was going to caution the listeners in Brooklyn that there were people pretending to work for Con Ed who are actually, you know, their intentions were to come in and rob you, so not to let people in. But I would like to think that our listeners have more sense than this. 2.30 in the morning, who would, why would Con Edison be knocking on our door at 2.30 in the morning? So this definitely began a wild story. Kind of early, but... It's definitely a wild story. Our next story shows just how bad things are getting with these prices of groceries. They're saying that in California, eggs have nearly tripled the price this year, and many people are going further to find cheaper prices, even crossing the border into Mexico. And because of this, there are contraband eggs piling up at the Mexico border. So a lady by the name of Rosie Mazias is the chief agricultural specialist with the U.S. Customs and Border Patrol. And she and her team are the ones responsible for all food entering the port. She explained why the eggs are sitting at the border and says it's because eggs are prohibited from Mexico. She said all of these eggs that they have collected will be destroyed, explaining that the eggs they collected will be destroyed and the primary reason are because the eggs can potentially carry HPAI, better known as bird flu, an outbreak of the disease of the main reason for the skyrocketing prices of eggs nationally. They're saying that bird flu is approximately in 47 states currently and that they just don't want to take any risk. So it's definitely getting crazy out here. People are crossing the Mexican border in order to get reasonably priced eggs, and they're, they're not having it, so they've been, you know, collecting these eggs to be destroyed because of what they're saying, the risk of bird flu. So definitely crazy. Our next story brings us into the schools again, and this is possibly some good news. A local program is working to bring more men of color to teach students in New York City classrooms. They say the partnership between the City University of New York, City Hall, and the Department of Education to increase the number of men of color teaching is already making a difference in children's lives. The program is called NYC Men 
Teach initiative. It's a program that they say started in 2015. This collaborative effort started with CUNY, the Department of Education, and City Hall. They say back in 2015, just 7% of New York City public schools had men of color teaching. But by 2022, we are at a 17% which is a 10% increase in that five-year span. They are hoping to continue to get that number to increase in the coming years. So they're saying how it has helped a lot of kids. For some reason, they're saying that men just teach differently and their um, their focus is just different, and they feel like it helps the kids in New York City public schools to have men of color teaching them, so they're trying to, you know, increase that number of colored men inside our school system. So it definitely has some potential, because I can definitely see how having a man in a classroom can help a lot of kids, especially if you don't have a man in your home. So it definitely helps them in that area. So it could be a good thing. And now for our wow story of the week. And I know Pastor Steph is going to love this one. So everyone's favorite mayor, Mayor Eric Adams, spent the night on a cot alongside hundreds of migrants staying at the Brooklyn Cruise Terminal on Friday. He said, quote, we're going to spend the night with our brothers here and just let them know that we're all in this together. This is how you get through things, end quote. He also said, I'd like to clear that the facilities in the Brooklyn Cruise Terminal are providing the same services to asylum seekers as every other humanitarian relief center in the city. So as we know, the Watson Hotel is now being used to house migrant families with children According to Adams, the Brooklyn Cruise Terminal Shelter will stay open until the weather gets warmer and cruises begin again, and it's able to house up to a 1,000 single men at a time. So your boy spent the night with his brothers, y'all. He wants them to know that he is in the struggle with them. Now, I don't know how this process goes nowadays or how they are moving with whatever deal they got going on, but... My family and I spent about four years in the shelter system before my mother was able to get a place. So what's one night to four years? I I, I don't know what he really thought he was doing. And, again, just like when he was riding on the train, you ain't really sleeping on them cots. You are protected by your security guards and, you know, officers, and you got the camera crew. Ain't nothing really going to happen to you. Like you ain't truly spending no night in no hotel, in no shelter system or no cot. Like it's not the same, sir. But this has been Vivian with Socially Conscious, giving you the news that we are following. And remember, if you have any wild stories you would like to submit, please feel free to direct message me on Facebook. My username there is Vivian B M, and come back every Wednesday to find out if your story has been chosen. Thank you as always as always to our loyal listeners and thank you, Pastor Stuck. Well, thank you, Vivian.
for your socially conscious segment. Uh, I just want you to know that you stole my story. I was going to have that story yesterday, but we ended up spending a little more time on our other uh, stories. So I'm going to enjoy talking about this one this morning. And we pray you have a blessed day. Please hang around as we always ask for, you know, just in case we need any clarity. Yes, ma'am. All righty. Enjoy. Uh, So we got some stuff to talk about this morning. Let's say good morning to the ladies. Let's say good morning to our Elder Nitisha. Good morning, Elder Nitisha. Good morning. Good morning. Glad to be on today with all of my sisters. Oh, and we're happy to have you on with us. Happy to have you on with us. Well, 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 well. So we got some stuff to talk about, and uh, we're going to save that other story till last. Okay, so, Elder Natisha, now, this egg business is has gone straight out the window, and interestingly enough, on Monday when I was doing my looking for my news, I did see something that finally offered some semblance of understanding as to why the egg prices have skyrocketed. And they mentioned something about this bird flu, and now Vivian has expanded this story to cover the fact that. <laughs> They are now patrolling the borders for these eggs so that this bird flu doesn't, you know, cross over and now make how many more people sick. And, you know, this this is this has gotten to be a little more than what we initially thought. What do you think? Um, I think that um, we are receiving so many signs from God <laughs> to help us to identify that whatever power we thought we have, we don't have, right? So we've experienced a pandemic. Now we're going through egg crisis at the hands of, um, you know, some type of bird flu and things of that nature. I think these are all the ways that God is trying to draw our attention back to him and help us to recognize that we need him and that all the things we put our hope in and our faith in really doesn't ha- doesn't have any power at all because at any moment things can change. No one ever suspected that we would have issues with eggs. Right. Like that, that that's just right. that just wasn't on, on the radar, right? We've been preparing yep. for another, you know, type of flu to come, another type right. of pandemic, another type of COVID. We've been preparing for that. Nobody was thinking about no bird flu. <laughs> right, 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 <laughs> so, right, right. You know, the things that we think we have under control, every time we think we have something under control, God shows us you don't have anything under control except what I give you control over. <laughs> Isn't that something? Isn't that something? Mm-hmm. Isn't that something? Isn't that something? Wow, wow, wow. I'm going to hold on to my comments until we are... Uh, Talk to all the ladies about this thing here. Oh, thank you for joining us this morning. So happy that you're on with us. Let's say good morning to our lady Tamika. Good morning, lady Tamika. 
Good morning and happy Wow Wednesday to you. Good uh, morning, happy Wow Wednesday to you too. How are you over good morning, there? Good morning, good morning. I am doing well. How are you this morning? I'm well, thank you. I'm well, thank you. I'm well, thank you. Bird flu and eggs. What are we talking about, Lady Tamika? This is from what I feel when man decides that the belly is important, you know, the the self-preservation. You know, if you've ever watched what they do to livestock, period, you know, chickens, uh, they don't, they, they don't, you know, they're pushing them towards the limit. You know, even cows don't get a time to rest to create milk. You know, you got chickens, you got eggs, you know, and, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if it's something else. You know, I even watched something on the news where, you know, our chickens are pushed so far to the limit until they're starting to create uh, chicken from technology. So you've got a computer that can make something look like chicken, taste like chicken, and, you know, smell like chicken. And so... It's it's concerning me. Where are we going? You know, I often get concerned, and 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 I I, I would behoove it would behoove everybody when you go shopping, pray over what it is that you're going to get, even down to your list. God, show me what it is that I need to purchase. Do I need to go to this particular grocery store? Do I need to go, you know, to a discount store? Is it beneficial for my health if I go to this store as opposed to that store? There are a lot of avenues that we really need to seek the Lord for because I'm going to go back to, and I'm giving a, a, a ode to uh, Pastor Kim, we are in our last. <laughs> Trying to come up with different ways for things to look. So I don't. 
It's just like, come on, not the healthy stuff now. Why are you not doing none of this junk food? Oh, my goodness gracious. You know, it is it, it, everything, everything, everything. I, I agree that, you know, God is really showing us we have no control. It, 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 I really put a stamp on on that theory and, and that, that statement. Really, we have no control over anything. We are at the mercy of everything. Uh, you know, just when we think we good, we're not. And we're, we're, we're being tapped in areas that we have absolutely no control over. Um, like you said, Shantice, you know, here we are. You know, they encourage us to eat eggs, you know, for protein and all different types of reasons. You know, don't overdo it, but, you know, eat your eggs and eggs are in everything. You know, and now here we are. <laughs> it's so bad that, you know, now you have to get a patrol in place for eggs, for whatever the reason is, but so that it doesn't cross over into this border, that border, this area, that area, um, bird flu, something that we, again, can't control. We have no idea. We can't duck and dodge. We can't see it coming. I, I'm in so much agreement with him here, and it's, it's, it's scary. It's really scary that, you know, here we are, you know, things that we feed the babies, you know, feed the children, you know, something that we've come up on is is now everything is going to be, everything is tainted. Everything is tainted. Everywhere you look is tainted down to the food you eat is tainted. So, mm, yeah, I think this is these are big signs, big signs, big signs, and we are in trouble. Oh, all right. Well, now it's said that, you know, more men of color, are being recruited and have been recruited. More men have been recruited to teach. You know, Vivian says that the stats back in uh, 2015, it was only 7% men, and now in 2022, we had 17%, a 10% increase. Men teach differently. Uh, you know, it, it's a boost for uh, the men, period, as having a presence in our children's lives. What do you think, uh, Lady Tamika? Do you think that it really makes a difference that a man teaches us versus a woman teaching us? Is it really going to make that much of a difference if they do start recruiting more men into the schools to be educators? I do. Um, I honestly do. Um, in um, listening to Brother Al when he's at work and um, <laughs> listening to, you could go into a room of, like, children that are just rowdy, 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 you know. And as a female teacher, she comes in there and she, all right, class, all right, class, settle down. You know, you'll find that for some reason it takes them a moment to literally settle down. I listened to Al walk into a room. All right. That's all he said. No other words. Just all right. And you literally, within seconds, hear a hush in the room. 
And not because he's laid a hand on anybody, but it's just the presence of that that man, you know, and that, you know, that deep voice a lot of times will just get them, you know, in order. You don't have to do a whole lot of work. You don't have to yell and scream, you know. And she said, all right, class, you know, the class takes a minute. You know, I, I find that it's just that, that authoritative presence that they recognize. You know, and then you have a lot of youth that, for whatever reason, the father figure is not there. Um, Al can often verbalize about children that he's helped raise. He's been in the school system for over a decade. And some of them are now college students. Some of them now have families of their own. They're adults with, you know, needs and things that they're taking care of of their own. And, you know, they've often come back to him almost in awe saying, wow, you helped me so much. I wouldn't have been to this point had you not been there. And I really do think that the male presence does make a major difference. Okay, okay. So what about the presence of a black male? All the more, absolutely, all the more, you know, um, and and because he is a black male in a black school, you know, I I honestly believe that it really does make a difference because a lot of us, you know, have grown up without that male figure, and it's so crucial to be able to see that in your school. If you don't have it at home, you know, and you're not having it in areas where it makes a difference, the school, you know, that's that's where you spend the majority of your time, you know, and a lot of times you'll find yourself emulating yourself after that that you see. And when it's in the school, it does aid. It also helps you to have the drive to continue to go on because you're seeing your face, you're, you're represented within the school. All righty, all righty. Uh, Shantice, we're talking about the uh, presence of the male in the school over the presence of women as you know and then we're going to take a step further into the black male in the school what difference do you think it makes males in the school i believe it's always good if you have that balance they're expected to see um female teachers whether they're younger teachers older um female teachers but now when you see educated men who actually like their job and who like to interact with children. Um, you see them not only interacting with the children well, but you see them interacting with their peers well. It definitely sends a message of a healthy balance to the students, especially, you know, as you get to the higher grades. You know, it's, it's great to see in the elementary, especially once you get to the junior high schools and high schools. It, it definitely, see, and you don't really see that a lot now. You mainly see a lot, if you do have the men in the school, Nowadays, it seems like they're just in, like, another position on high authority. So you don't even really see a lot of male principals anymore. Um, but whether it's, like, a dean or, you know, something like that. But, yeah, I think it'll be a, a nice way to show up a healthy balance. That this isn't a female career or a female job. All righty, all righty. Elder Natisha, what are we saying about you know, this this presence of not just men, but an increase in the black men in the school system. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I think we've always identified in the black community that, um, you know, our men were needed um, as part of the stabilization of our communities. And so for our black men to rise up and have a presence in the school system means that our children can relate 
um, to someone who looks like them. You're able to speak directly to their situations, their circumstances, because you come from where they come from. And so it's similar to, um, you know, our white counterparts being able to succeed in life because they've been encouraged by someone who understands them, who speaks like them, where I think an increase of black men in the school system does that for our children. And that's in addition to everything that's been said, right? Like the fact that unfortunately, predominantly in black and brown homes is the lack of a male. So they are able to come to school and they're able to get that father figure, um, men, um, our boys, our young boys. I think that having black men in the school system can decrease the likelihood of our black boys looking into the street for some semblance of um, brotherhood or fatherhood. When you, you know, dive into gangs, um, you know, with our, with our black boys, they really form because they're looking for a family and they develop that brotherhood one to another. And it's usually the OG that they're all looking up to and responding to. And so I think the increase of black men in schools can decrease that because you have someone that's right here that's saying to you, that's not the way, that's, that's not your only option. There is another option, and I stand here as proof and as an example of another option. So I think their presence really does um, help to stabilize um, our schools and stabilize our communities. Absolutely, ladies, absolutely. Uh, it is it is great to know that we're being represented, uh, not just as athletes, you know, um, you know, to think that they're the you know the only ones that can really make it, or you know they always complain that you know everybody chases after a ball, you know, when you're in this uh, ethnicity, and it's it's wonderful to know that our men are standing up. Period, uh, regardless of what your color is, our men are standing up, but especially our, our men of color. Because now you can, you know, you have a man who came from a broken home who now can identify with an entire school where a lot of these homes are broken. And now he can make the difference in their life. Now he can see, you know, uh, how this generation is, is you know, uh, functioning Without uh, 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 that father figure in the home, I think they've done a fantastic job with the take your daughter, I mean take your child to school day from the the men and to see, you know, these men step up and, you know, even if you're not necessarily the father but a big brother or an uncle or a cousin, just that presence is amazing to see, you know, I saw pictures um of of all of the um you know of of all of the men escorting the children to school and it was just a wonderful uh, uh sight to see and just praying that you know more men of God um you know stand up more men become men of God so they're making a triple difference uh in the school so I agree with everything you said, and, and this can definitely be a plus, definitely be a plus. All right, ladies. Now, like Vivian said, 
you know, certain things we just feel like we ain't got to say. We shouldn't have to say. But surely, don't let the con that man in at 2 o'clock in the morning should be something that we really don't have to We That's just something we really shouldn't have to say. Um, you know, if somebody comes knocking on your door, you have no power outage. You have no, you know, issues with your lights. Why would I even open the door to ask you what you need? Forget about opening the door to let you in, but just even, you know, cracking the door. Remember when they used to have the chains on the door? <laughs> you know, just even opening up and yeah. having it in there, you know? Um why, why, why? Without making a phone call, without even, you know, because, see, now they have armed us with cell, uh, our cell phones getting texts. I've gotten texts on my cell phone. They've emailed us. Um, sometimes even a phone call, there's a phone recording that says, you know, there's a power outage. We're addressing it. Um, we're anticipating that it's up, whatever. So for you to open up a door. At 2 o'clock in the morning. You know, help, Shantice, what are we talking about here? I just don't. Un- you, you can't buy common sense. You, you can't. There's no. At 2 o'clock in the afternoon, I'm not just opening my door. I got to look outside the window first and make sure I see a branded van or a truck. I got to make sure I see some of the equipment hanging out outside. Is there a ladder? Does the matter look a little dirty that, you know, shows you've used it a few times before you came here? I have to remember that. Uh, I'm serious because anybody can buy a ladder and attach it to the van, but has it been used? Um, I've, I've had to, just like you said, Pastor Steph, because all of the companies are doing it now, whether it's Connect, whether it's gas, whether it's the cable, everyone texts you a reminder the day before. Um, they let you know when the rep is on his way. They they do all of this. And I don't understand how at this time of night slash morning, you are going, what, what, you can't talk through the door? First of all, I'm not talking through the door. Because nobody in their right mind is coming here to service my home at 2-something in the morning. You might as well have just put on a negligee and opened the door and said, do as you do. <laughs> Because that, 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 that was just, like, dumb. That was dumb. That oh was goodness. dumb. Unless you were drinking or high, and or high, that I, I cannot – I'm trying to think of, like, different scenarios as to how – good morning – as to how I would – or someone else, it would make sense for me to even respond, even talk through the door. Like, hi, how are you? What are you here for? At what? At 2 something in the morning? No, you would have been standing there at the door and cops would have been coming up right behind you. Next thing you would have known you were like, oh, excuse me, uh, can I see your ID? That's it. That 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 was just crazy. Mm-mm. Absolutely not. Wow. <laughs> wow. Uh, 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 Elder Now, uh, Vivian says that when she came in, she saw two people in the stairwell put masks on. Uh, help. <laughs> yeah. That's the part. That, that's the part for me. That I kept saying, well, wait a minute. I need Vivian to go back because I'm, I need clarity. I don't understand. She said she saw people putting on masks in the hallway. And she was like, I missed that part. You want me? 
<laughs> you, you want me oh. talking to me? But I, I but I'm telling you, I think you know you know we talk about common sense, but you'll also be surprised at what loneliness will drive you to do, right? Wow, Elton, I teach you better your desire for companionship, regardless of what form it comes in, because I, I mean, to some degree, I'm, I'm feeling what with uh, Shanti said. Because why are you opening the door at two o'clock in the morning? You know, you look through the peephole and was like, mm, a friend. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! You ladies are going there. Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! A friend. I got a bucket of friends. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I can't. Shanti says the negligee. You say, oh, a friend. All right, Lady Tamika, what you got? <laughs> what you got? What you bringing to the table? I'm just trying. So <laughs> I, I, I got home, you know. Late and I'm seeing people set up, you know, get up for the setup. Somewhere in there, you know, I, I'm on, I'm under the impression that you live alone. You know, um, somebody knocks on your door and you just know me. It, a friend. Just, oh my. God. It just like understanding <laughs> that because I remember days when I lived by myself and even now. Oh, like when I when you ring when when you ring my bell, I have to either do one of two things: either look at the ring, or I have to look out the window. And I'll open up the window and say, you know, how can I help? I had an instance yesterday where, you know, someone someone rang my bell and I didn't recognize her. You know, I I never seen her before. I said, you know, how can I help you? She chose not to say anything, so I didn't come to the door. What you want, you know, that type of thing. So, like, seeing you set up, why it is at 2 o'clock in the morning, you don't feel stranger danger. You just decide to open the door and let them in. Oh, my gosh. She said stranger danger. Y'all are on it today. Y'all are on it today. Oh, my goodness gracious. I, I couldn't imagine in a million years, opening up a door. You know, you need to see this house when somebody knocks on the door. Forget It could, it could be 12 o'clock in the afternoon. It could be 5 o'clock in the evening. It don't Just knock. Dog. We're like, who is that? Like, you don't come here unannounced. So needless to say, at some 2 o'clock in the morning, because sometimes you ain't going to get in. I don't know who knocked on the door on Sabbath, and we were like, it was Sabbath, and we were like, who is that? So I can't even imagine at 2 o'clock in the morning. Uh, <laughs> she said, a oh, friend? I can't, I can't, I can't, I got a headache. <laughs> now, she's with the negligee, you with the friend, you with the stranger. No. You know, let's pray for our community, you know, where you you, you see to get up for the setup, <laughs> but you still um, actually, you know, even approach the door. 
Um, I, I'm big on somebody shooting through the door. You know, I, they got mad because I purchased the door with no peephole. I'm why? I'm not putting my eyes there. <laughs> no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I mean, they got mad. They were like, Mom, how you buy a of people? Go ahead and put your eye there because I'm not doing it. I need to know. And like uh, uh, um, uh, Lady Tamika said, we got a, a window right by the porch steps. So just pull a curtain back, take a people. You know, because they're not expecting you to come to the window. They're expecting you to look through the people. So, you know, ladies... Let, let's let's just be smart, you know. Let's get this together, you know. Let's not be such an easy prey, you know. You you ended up being robbed for your jewelry, and thank God there was no rape. Thank God there was no murder. Thank God you weren't hurt, you know. So so ladies, you know, let let's not be lonely. Uh, let's not be desperate. Um. Let, let's 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 be smart, for real. Let's be smart and let's, you know, take the precautions that we need to take to be safe. And you know, if if and they tell you this all the time, if there's someone who is approaching your door who claims to be some type of service individual, you they can wait. They can wait. Just say through the door, you know, I'm calling. Don't even ask for ID sometimes because they, we've seen where that's false, and 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 they they enter in based on that, and they're not, you know, people who are legitimate. So, you know, if someone's been dispatched to your area, if someone has been dispatched to your home, again, I can't remember the last time. And, I mean, this has been years now. I cannot even think of the last time where they – we have not been alerted. We have not been alerted by, again, text, a phone call, an email, something that is letting you know. And they're doing this so that we can be protected, so that when we're not thinking that, you know, someone can be, you know, uh, trying to set us up, you know, because they've told you, you know, ask for ID. But they've gotten more savvy than that. So come on, ladies. Let, let's be careful. Let's be smart. And, you know, if you're lonely, you know, as, as Elder Natisha and Shantice alluded to, then you need to just find another mode of getting your, you know, needs taken care of, whether it's just somebody to sit and talk to or whether it's the other stuff. <laughs> But you know, but can we? I mean, I think because I think that it's important to kind of emphasize that because I don't think we realize how loneliness and desperation clouds our judgment, and we find ourselves in these really peculiar situations simply because we are operating out of desperation. We're operating out of loneliness. And so we don't have the best judgments because we're moved by our emotions. And so I, I think that there's also a call for that. Like, hey, ladies, be mindful of your current state and where you are emotionally that can be impacting the way that you are thinking and approaching and making decisions because your decisions are often made you know, based on how you're moving emotionally sometimes. So I think that that's an important call out, you know. And then for us as a community, check on people who are by themselves. You know what I'm saying? If, if this woman is really opening the door at 2 o'clock in the morning, Miss, you thought you had a friend. 
And you, the, your friends are not yeah. coming to visit you at 2 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's no friend coming to visit you at 2 o'clock in the morning. So let's visit our loved ones who are by themselves, our neighbors, you know, who are by themselves. Yeah, yeah no, it, no it's, it's true. It's true because when people are lonely, they do do things that, you know, uh, that are not smart. And this is just one of the things that they do when they're, you know, when you're lonely and you just make bad decisions. And, um, you know, we can't underestimate. We can't underestimate what people will do, um, what people won't do, and how people respond or react. Um, And if we're here, ladies, if we're here, we really need a friend. So... Let's 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 uh you know let's hone in on on you know our friends and our sisters who are mm-hmm. you know lonely side and you know take them out for lunch or something like that and, yeah. and you know help them out some uh, ladies we got one more conversation to be had and that's our wow story. And like I said, you know, we ran out of time yesterday. I, I, I was going through my things. I was like, no, nah, I don't want to talk about that one yet. So uh, Mayor Adams decided that since there was all this uproar about, you know, I want to stay in a hotel versus I don't want to stay at the Brooklyn Terminal, they uh, camped out and, and had all of that occurrence. He decided to prove a point that this place was, you know, the Brooklyn Terminal was safe, that it was uh, sufficient to, you know, sleep there and, you know, kind of camp out for, you know, the time that you need until I guess they can find you a better place to live. And uh, he decided to sleep there one night. And, you know, there's, there's been some different of opinion. Some people say that, you know, hey, this is a great thing that he did, such as when he rode the train uh, that time with his jacket on um, and his uh, mayor uh, patch and his security. Um, And some people say because of that, you don't, you ain't did nothing, pretty much. Um, So as, as a as you ladies speak, I'm going to pull up the article and pull up the comments that, you know, the community had to say and, and see how everybody's kind of weighing in and what's the biggest feeling here. And we'll start with you, Elden Atisha. Oh, we lost her. Oh, no, no, she's back. She's back. She's back. Okay, Elden Atisha, you there? Yes. Okay. So yep. What you got for can you hear me? I can hear you. Yes. Okay. Um, yeah. I so said. I think you know. We we kind of know my stance when it comes to these type of things. I tend to kind of be different with this panel when it comes to the conversations around Mayor Adams, because it's not that I agree with um, all of his approaches, but I do think that we are so critical, and everything that he he does is so highlighted. Um, and and so newsworthy and and allows for so many critics um, to be able to speak upon it um, in a way 
that I just don't think is, is shared across the board with our white counterparts. So that's my stand. I, I stick by it, um, even if i got to stand alone on it. <laughs> I stick by it. Um, I think that him making a decision to go and um, be at the shelter system, to be out there, to spend a night out there, I think the, the, the point was it to kind of um, act as though he was doing something so um, so impactful as much as it was to show humanity and bring humanity to the situation? And so, again, it's the lens by which we view it. If we're looking at it saying, oh, child, so what impact are you trying to make by going out there for one night when, you know, people are in a shelter system for multiple years? That is a, that's valid. But it depends on what his purpose was. Was his purpose to try to bring impact or was his purpose to try to bring humanity? So from my lens that I looked at it through with reading the story was that he was trying to bring some humanity back to the conversation because there's been a lot of conversation, a lot of criticism in regards to why are they here? Why are they here? We can't, like, we can't even help our own, so why are we helping them? So he's trying to bring humanity back to it to say, listen, we got it. This is our brother. These are our sisters. They're humans. And regardless of where they come from, we got to offer some type of help. That's what I gathered from it. Okie dokie. Okie dokie. Uh, Lady Tamika, what you got? Um, I believe it's a good attempt to try to do something like that. Um, I, I, I think it does bring a nice light to the streets. However, um, there, is a, there is a big difference between me going out there and you going out there. Um, your face is known, um, and the likelihood of you going out there without some type of guard, you know, people with guns, uniforms, people, um, I, I just see it as different, you know, um, and because of where he, where he stands in the position that he's in, he has to do that. But, you know, how do we get the message across genuinely and, and not just for a day, you know, not just for, you know, what is, what, do you really genuinely understand what it is like to live on the streets? You know, I, I've lived here all my life and I wouldn't, I can't even fancy, you know, living out there. I, I feed, I help feed um, some areas in Brooklyn, and just going out there times a day, when you look at their faces and you say, do you want something to eat, and they're literally running to your car, you know, there's all types of stuff that goes on, you know, how do you, you know, how do you, is entirely different for somebody's entire life that is, that is struggling and continuing to struggle. As you get a dollar, you know, you still have five other needs, and that one dollar you have to decide, okay, am I going to take care of this and, or am I going to take care of that? You know, to, to, to shine a light on the area is a good thing, but I think you need more than one day to understand exactly the plight of the people that live in, you know, on the streets. All righty, all righty. Oh, let me make sure your mic is turned on. Uh, Shantice, what's your thought here? I really, I I see this as he he continues to be ridiculed and criticized because he keeps doing things like this that has no substance mm-hmm. to it. 
what's the substance behind you going to sleep in the shelter for one night? And as the ladies were talking, my mind went to coming to America. When Prince Akeem left Africa to come to America to find his wife, him and Simi came alone. He went as far as to even give their clothes and stuff away, hide the fact that he was rich, no one knew. And granted, he went, he came from a whole other, you know, place. Like, he wasn't known here already. But the point is, he made sure that there was no way he can give himself an out. No one else can give himself an out because he had a point that he had to make for himself. He knew that what he wanted to do, he wanted it to be genuine. So he took certain steps. I'm not seeing, in my opinion, genuine steps being taken. I see... I'm going to do this so that I can be able to say I did it and that's it, like a publicity stunt. And this is why I believe that he continues to get ridiculed and, and criticized. You you staying the night one night does not erase the fact that I have, I mean, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but especially since we've been hearing about these 30000 per month coming from, you know, these asylum seekers, there still has not been a real plan put in place for those who are from here, who are still here, living in the street. You didn't say, well, once a week, I'm going to make it my business to personally rally up the, the homeless veterans or the homeless people from the streets of New York who are from here, who live here, and I'm going to make it my personal duty to see to it that they have a bed tonight, they have a home. Forget you sleeping there. And I'm just taking up a bed that a homeless person needs who's from here. You know what I'm talking about? So the bag, the cot you slept on last night, somebody really needed that cot. All because you're trying to prove a point that's not being proven. So it's, it's like you, you really put yourself out there. If you're going to act like you're putting yourself out there, really put yourself out there to where when it's done, there can be some real substance behind it. So that God says the next mayor who's elected, they really have some shoes to fill. They really have something okay, well, may or whomever did this before me, so I have to make sure I follow. I, I don't see that. If I wanted to run for mayor right now, I don't see me wanting to follow behind anything he's ever done. I would want to see, okay, see that? This is what I don't want to do. So I, I don't I don't really see the, the substance behind this. All righty. Um, uh, you know, does Mayor Adams get a bad rap? Uh, Yeah. <laughs> he does. Um, some feel justifiable, some feel unjustifiable. As I'm looking at the comments from the readers of the article, uh, there's a lot of, uh, so you have, unfortunately, Adams has no leverage. If a Democratic governor and a Democratic president turn a deaf ear, he has nowhere to turn. However, if things get really bad, he could threaten bankruptcy. Uh, are they? Uh, is he really going to do that? Um, somebody else said taxpayers are thrilled that this is going on. Uh, you have another one who says, I would like Adams to give more attention to the homeless veterans, much more deserving to a bed, phone, TV, three meals a day. I, I'm having a problem with... All, all, all of these things, forget about just the homelessness issue. I'm personally having a problem with 
any of the mayors, but since this is the mayor that we're under right now, I'm having a problem with none of this stuff was done prior to all of the immig- all of these asylum seekers coming here. Um, the whole shebang, the whole shebang, the whole putting people up. Now you've opened up the Brooklyn Terminal. I'm having a problem with all of this being done. He's been in office for one whole year. When he got into office, all of this stuff existed. Homelessness existed. All of these things existed. The rats, all of this stuff existed. I'm having a problem with why is it now only that the the asylum seekers have now started acting up um, that we're going to take this stance. I'm going to go and spend the night in the shelter. How come this stuff is not done before all of this comes down the pipeline? Again, one of the things we talk about a lot on here are the veterans. If you don't think about anybody else, the people who have served this country, it is horrific that they come back to not just New York, but just to the states, and they are not given the attention, the care, or the concern. Um, even the riding of the of the subway, the time when he rode the subway, because he wanted to prove that the subway system wasn't as bad as you know. Well, he started off by saying he didn't know it was that bad. Then he said, all right, I'm going to take a train ride, and I'm going to prove that it's not that bad. Are we really proving this when you walk up with your jacket on, like I said, with your emblem, with your security detail, who are right there? You know, we, 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 we saw the picture of you riding the train with your security detail right at your arm's length. So do... You know, are, are you really threatened the way an average person who was riding the train would be threatened? Would you have the same concern as the people who are already riding the train? If you go into the Brooklyn Terminal to spend the night as a mayor, do you really believe that the Brooklyn Terminal is going to operate the same way it would operate if the mayor, the governor, the, the the senator, um, the police, anyone of power, forget about it just being the mayor, but anyone who had some say over the way you were running your operation. If you went into a restaurant and said that you were somebody who they were trying to impress, they're going to turn it up. They're going to send out their best server, They're going to send out the best of the food. They're going to cook your food better than anyone else's food. It's not going to really, you're not going to really see. You know, Shantice and I were talking the other day about the secret shoppers. We went into a store. They were nasty. They were disrespectful. And we were talking about the secret shoppers, the, the people that go in, and she said how they've even had to change the fact that they don't even go in there alone anymore, into the restaurants alone anymore, because that was also a flag that, okay, that's probably a secret shopper. People go in there dressed like you and I. They don't alert anyone that they're there, and they go and they order their food. They, they're subject to exactly what the average customer is subject to. 
is this how we're going to move forward? Is this how we're going to try to make the difference? Is this how we're going to try to, you know, prove that, you know what, this is what the conditions are really like? Forget about black. Forget about you being uh, 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 targeted. Forget about the ones that come before you. I think it should have been done when it was de Blasio, when it was Giuliani, when it was Bloomberg. It all should be the same situation. Unfortunately, we are dealing with some real critical things that are heightened now that were not as bad as when these other people were in the office. So I think if we're anybody, forget about whether you're the mayor, the governor, the president, I think what we really want to see and and show what the conditions are really like, we need to go in as the secret shoppers do. We need to go in covertly. We don't need to be alarming people that we're here that this is what we're doing, let me go in and come out and say, you know what, I was there on Tuesday night. Let me tell you what really went down. And I think that would send a bigger message that you went in, nobody knew, you took your chance at, at having to endure what these asylum seekers um, that are here have to potentially, what, was the temperature turned down and it was really cold? Is the bathroom really fixed up? Is it really clean and healthy food that these people are getting? Yes or no? You will never know. We will never know. Until someone in, in power or who has a voice goes in there and, 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 and nobody knows you're there, I think that would be the biggest humanic, human, human, Gosh, humanity move you could make. Let mm-hmm. me see what life is really like. Let me go live in the projects for a week. Let me go live in the projects for a month. Let me go. Listen, don't, don't they do that thing with the boss, the undercover boss? They, they do it. Do the same thing. And to me, that's how you're going to make the biggest impact and, and really let people know that's how things are, whether, you know, how things are really going down. And, and I think, you know, people would, whether, like I said, regardless of who it is, do it. Do it that way. And that's why the undercover boss is so effective because he really gets to see how his employees are doing, how his employees are behaving, how with the, the conditions that his employees are under, and, 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 and that way, there's a real objective um, understanding and, and respect for, for what these people are really enduring. And I, I think when we start making moves like that and stop sounding the alarm um, of what we're going to do and that we did it, but, you know, I went in as, you know, President Biden, I think that that's what will make a little bit of a difference and we don't have to worry about being beat up as much. Um, so, ah, ladies, you know, I was gonna, I always got my bitterness, uh, topic, but I think when, when Elder and Atisha started talking and then, uh, uh, she said something, or when she came back to talk about the loneliness, I wanted to kind of jump on that for a few minutes. We have a, a couple of minutes left before we get our Pastor Charlene on, and I want to talk about this. What what we what do we need to do when we're lonely? 
you know, some suggestions and how we can help you potentially get through some lonely points. I think we need to zone in now that we have a couple of minutes and really help because all four of us have been lonely at one point. I don't care if it was 15 years ago. You know, I remember moving alone and picking up the phone in the middle of the night just to make sure the dial tone was there (laughs) so that if anybody was calling me, the phone was really working. You know, we we all have been in a lonely spot at times, and, you know, honing in on the fact that there are women who do things that are not smart um, and, and just maybe not getting a better view of what to do when you're lonely, um, let us help them. So, uh, 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 Lady Tamika, you got the first leg on this one. They say that, you know, when you are lonely, you know, find some extracurricular activities that you can do, such as volunteering. How is that going to aid, you, in your opinion, um, you know, your loneliness? Um, it it allows you to be able to network with people and What's amazing about that is the more you talk, the more you find out about what's out there, um, things that you can do in your spare time. Um, It also helps you to help other people. It makes you feel good, you know, not necessarily to big up yourself, but the fact that you know that I'm helping somebody uh, get, get to a better step than where they are, it really does a lot for yourself. All righty. Shantice, we're talking about volunteering. What would be the difference between, you know, if you're lonely, you know, getting busy, period, but volunteering possibly making a bigger uh, difference and in, in being and uh, helping you a little bit more than just getting busy? Well, you're probably lonely because God needs you to be alone to focus on whatever it is he needs you to do. Well, if we continue to always have the access to people, places, and things, then now when he needs us to donate our time and our attention and our energy to other people, places, and things that on our own we wouldn't consider, we wouldn't do it. So now we're in this quote-unquote alone, you know, spot. And it's so now we can direct that focus to where it really needs to be because Nine times out of ten, when it's like, oh, what should I do? It's never really something you're supposed to be doing. No one says, oh, you know, it's a Saturday night. Let me see if there's a library opened up. There are only 24-hour libraries around here. or you know, No, no, nobody does that. It's, all right, let me see who I can go out to drink with. Oh, it's happy hour. Let me go here. Or, you know, let me see um, if I can go to the movies or something. You know, a lot of it has to do with self-gratifying, you know, not really what you can do for someone else. So now that it's time for you to start looking into volunteering, now it's time for you to start looking into how you can now make a difference and be a blessing for someone else rather than only thinking about what you can do for yourself. All righty, all righty. Elder, now, Tisha, you were the one who decided that you wanted to zone in on, you know, what uh, – you know, people need to do or not do uh, when you're lonely and how we make the wrong moves, the right move would be to volunteer. And what about some ideas of 
of of a good volunteer um, assignment that you could actually get yourself involved in that would also also help your loneliness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's it's what everybody has talked about, right? Being selfless um, really does help to alleviate loneliness when you find yourself um, volunteering at places like we just talked about, women's like yourself that are of a mature age that perhaps can't get around, that you could go and, you know, be a assistant um, to them, take them shopping, um, kind of hang with them, watch a movie for an hour or two with them. That's one of the ways you can volunteer. There are all type of nonprofit organizations within our community that we could get involved with. Of course, the first top of mind for me is American Cancer Society. We're always looking for volunteers to help us to spread awareness within the community, to do tabling events, to go to schools, to speak to um, our younger generation about HPV and how HPV is a sexually transmitted cancer um, that is, you know, ailing our young people. So, you know, there are, there's also um, Alzheimer's. Um, association that are needing people to sit with those who, you know, are currently um, dealing with Alzheimer's. You know, you have the Heart Association. Like, there are so many nonprofit organizations. You have your local hospital that would love for people to come to the hospital. Of course, you have to go through some screenings and things of that nature, but they would love for you to come to the hospitals and um, help the, with the babies who were born addicted to drugs that need to be held and loved while they're going through withdrawal. Um, so there are so many different ways that you can help um, and get involved, and that will fill up some time um, in your life. All righty, all righty, all righty. Wonderful um, associations um, to be involved in where you could definitely make a difference. Uh, they say write it down. Journaling. You know, they, they talk about journaling a lot in, 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 in regards to just therapy. Journaling is extremely therapeutic. And it would be very therapeutic even in your loneliness. Shantice. Yes, when you get to now sit and reread what you're thinking, <laughs> it's a whole different effect from when you just like thinking things only in your head or when you speak to yourself out loud. When you get to now write, and especially so I write down tonight. And then now tomorrow comes, but I reread what I wrote the night before. That even has a different effect. So while we claim and we born, how about we really allow God to teach us how to analyze our thoughts? Because especially when you give your life to God, you learn how crazy your thoughts really are and how it starts in your heart. And now by the time it becomes a thought, it's really, and you really be like, Dag, I was really thinking that. Or, and then to even see your growth, you know. So, okay, so last month my thoughts were this way, were this way. And I'm noticing this month my thoughts have even taken a turn for the worse or they have gotten better. You know, this way now you have a better uh, self-awareness. So, yeah, so instead of always talking about, oh, I'm bored, I have nothing to do, learn, learn about yourself. And I think journaling, that, that's one of the main things that it teaches you. It really teaches you about you. 
All righty, all righty. Elden Artisha, journaling. They talk about journaling mm-hmm. all the time. How do you think journaling would benefit you if you're lonely? It's the clearing out of the heart. It, 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 it's when you are writing, you are free to just write it the way you feel it. You don't have to explain it. You don't have to justify it. You can literally just write it the way you feel it. And so it is an emptying, um, you know, exercise. It allows you to empty out your heart, empty out your mind to get these things um, out of you. So it's one of the ways that you're able to get it, get it out. And I think there's a misconception around the idea that if you're lonely, it, that means you're bored. Loneliness doesn't necessarily have to, to do with boredom. Uh, there are active women. There are married women. There are women in yeah. women in executive positions that are that deal and experience loneliness. And it has more to do with a lack of connection than it does to do with external things, you right, know, active. like just not having anything to do. You know, so right. after I've volunteering, if I come home to a home by myself with no companions, that's not right. So I could be as busy right. as all heck all day, <laughs> you know? Yep. So, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Big difference, big difference. They say you can be lonely in a room full of people. Absolutely. Uh, uh, Lady Tamika, loneliness and journaling, what's the connection? Uh, The the connection is that it it can be a purging of the mind, um, of the emotions, connecting with what you may be going through at the time and realize that, each one of us has seasons. There are times when we're really, really high, and then there are times when even when we're smiling, you know, that we may be actually having a hard moment that we need to express ourselves and, and clearly say, hey, you know, I'm not all right today. And then being able to look back and saying, you know, wow, that was a really rough time, you know, and be able to identify with that moment um, as well as that that you might be going through in the future. And so realizing you can look back and say, you know, I dealt with that. So this new obstacle that's coming up, I can handle that, you know. And, and it helps you to understand that, you know, seasons pass, just like, you know, the, the, the tide and the wind. And, you know, it doesn't rain all the time. The storm doesn't happen all the time. You, you do have, you know, times when you ebb and flow. One moment you're above and one moment you're beneath, you know, and allowing yourself to have that and be okay with having those moments. All righty, all righty. Well, they say be with like-minded people. Join like-minded people. Elder Nitisha. Yeah, because those, you know, like-mindedness uh, strengthens you. It strengthens you. It's it's the same thing that uh, it's it's what we've talked about previously with making sure that you. Um, surround yourself with people who aren't going to drag you into their misery. But make sure that you are around people who want to come up and out. And so, you know, um, you want to surround yourself with people who um, will encourage you to pray, will encourage you to stand, will encourage you to make the right decisions. So, you know, uh, what does the Bible, the way the Bible describes it this way, it says, what does light have to do with darkness? 
like what 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 do we have in common <laughs> and so i think it's that same perspective that we must walk with that what does my light have to do with darkness i cannot attach myself to darkness and not think that i won't be impacted by that darkness even if i am light and my desire is to be light because the moment i have a downtime i enter into one of the seasons Tamika talked about well now my dark friend who's just waiting for me to have a dark moment is excited to pull me in to that dark place with her so no you want to surround yourself with people who are struggling just like you but they're struggling with a belief they're struggling with a knowledge and a knowing that what it is today is not where it will always be all righty all righty uh lady tamika we're talking about being with people who are like-minded that'll help your loneliness I do like um, uh, Elder Natisha's uh, statement with regard to uh, being like-minded. And, and she's right in the ideal that, you know, it, it makes sense if, we're, if we are struggling and we both have the mind to move out of this frame of mind, then that's a beautiful thing. Um, however, on the other end, with like-minded people, make sure that that is their ideal and that they want to move. You know, you've got some people that they're they're in this place and they're comfortable with it, you know, and so they, they don't want to move, which is a totally different thing. You know, make sure that, you know, you're trying to, to move out of another place. You know, for instance, if, if we're all kindergartners, all kindergartners, you can't help me from where I am. But if you have a mindset and say, you know, I'm going to make that first grade, uh, you know, however it is, you know, we're going to go together, then that's a totally different thing. And so you have to be cautious about, okay, hey, are you really in the right frame of mind or are you comfortable with where you are and don't have a desire to move? All righty, all righty, all righty. Shantice, you know, being grounded, unequally yoked, how does that play into, you know, this being with like-minded people if you're lonely? Well, you become lonelier if you're not around like-minded people because you will continue to find yourself in a constant battle, you know, with people. The conversation will only be decent for about a good maybe three minutes, and then after that, it just get all shot down from there because there's a... A distinct difference in the mindset and the decisions and your life choices, and even when it's hypothetical scenarios being thrown out, and you get to now listen to, you know, how someone thinks, and again the choices they would make. So where you're like, okay, I'm lonely, so now I'm desperate, and I'll just, I'll, I'll just talk to someone for just for this amount of time, or I'll only go out with this group just for tonight. But you know, this ain't my, you know, my real clique. This ain't my real. You know, people, but I'm going to do no. It's every moment has to be intentional. But let me tell you, when you allow God to pick your people for you, you ain't never learning. Sometimes, like, oh, my goodness, I wish they leave me alone. And, you know, because, again, when you want to be in your bubble and God is like, eh-eh, because I'm sending so-and-so-and-so-and-so to check up on you. I'm sending so-and-so, like it was said, to pray with you and, and to hold you accountable and to do this and to do that. And a lot of times, we'll rather isolate because that's our our way of just doing what we want to do and no one else knows. It's like, nope, I'm going to make sure that you stay on point. And how one of the best ways that God makes sure we stay on point is to keep us around like-minded people. So 
that that's really important. You you claim you you lonely. Let God choose your friends. Let God choose the people that you're supposed to be in constant connection with. You won't be lonely anymore. All righty, all righty. I got one more round, ladies, and we're going to start with you, Lady Tamika. Pray. You're really not alone. Pray. I am such a believer on that. Whenever there's a hesitation, whenever there's a a, a doubt, you know, um, let's just be honest. (laughs) Had she been praying, she never would have opened the door, you know. And and there's so many different moves, you know. I say that in jest, but honestly, let's just look at life in general. Had you been praying, would you have answered this phone call? Had Had you been praying... Would you have gone out to that spot and now you're overwhelmed? Had you been praying, would you have listened to what God had said? Had you been praying, would you have gotten that escape that he gave you to go out out of that situation that you're in? Had you been praying, would you be where you are now? I'm going to leave it at that. Mm. Nice, nice. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Shantice, you know, you're really not alone. Pray. Absolutely. Because, you know, you may be the only human in the room, but you know that God is always there. And, again, to piggyback off of what Lady Tanika said, when you pray, even without you having to, because I've learned to pray for discernment, because, again, you can't buy common sense. But even without you formally praying for discernment, God blesses you with discernment. He blesses you with the instinct as to, yeah, do this, and no, you better stay away from doing this. He's not going to leave you in the dark. He's not going to say, come to me, come to me. I'm standing here waiting for you to come to me. Because I ain't going nowhere, so I just need you to come to me for now you to go to him, and he's not going to give you any real guidance. So when you're lonely, again, we, if we could, we would fill our days and our times with a lot of nothing. So now we're alone and now we feel lonely. This could very well be the time where Jesus is saying, I need you to really take advantage of this time to be connected with me a lot more. Where physically, in the flesh, you are alone right now. But I'm always here. But I need you to remember that I'm always here. And how else would you really remember and stay in constant connection with him? Unless you pray. All righty, all righty. Good stuff, good stuff, ladies. Thank you so much. Elden Itisha, loneliness does not mean you're alone. And uh, just chat with the Father. Yeah, uh, prayer exposes the lie of loneliness. Uh, the truth is, is that loneliness is a lie um, in that it makes you believe that you are alone when, in fact, you're never alone. The Bible is uh, Psalm 139-136, which has been my memory verse for the past couple of weeks, uh, says that the Father knows us. He searches us. He knows our thoughts from afar mm-hmm. off. He knows the words that come off of our lips before we even utter them. He has hemmed us in, in front and behind. And it is that knowledge that we come into when we pray that allows us to offset and to combat the lie of loneliness, the lie that makes us feel that through being alone that we're not enough, 
that we are isolated, that no one cares about us, like along with loneliness are a slew of lies that the enemy convinces us of that puts us in positions of danger, that cause us to make the decisions that we make that put us in danger, that causes us to find ourselves in situations and circumstances that we didn't intend to get into. With prayer comes wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. And that wisdom of self, knowledge of who he is, and the understanding of how that applies to our right now moment. Wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. Pray. Pray because it exposes the lie. Pray because it gives you wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you so much. Good stuff, ladies. Good stuff. Wonderful way to speak to our listeners and encourage them to pray. Uh, during this lonely period, quote-unquote. And uh, we thank you so much for your contribution into today's conversation, and we pray you have a blessed day. Thank you. You as well. Blessings, ladies. Thank have a you, great day. Too. Thank you. Thank have you. Thank you. All righty, all righty. Uh, it's about to go down to be 9 o'clock. But before we get there, we got to have our Faith Over Fear segment with our Pastor Charlene. Good morning, Pastor Charlene. Good morning, Pastor Steph. How are you today, my love? I am wonderful. Thank you. I am surely not lonely. How are you? I am well, and I'm not lonely either anymore. (laughs) And amen, amen. Come on, give us our faith over fear, you know, regarding this this loneliness um, topic, you know, how we uh, we get there, but we really don't have to stay there. Absolutely. Um, Loneliness, I had experienced that as well. I've talked about it on here that I was in the church sitting there and I was all by myself. That's how I felt. But for what I will say is, first you have to acknowledge your issue, that how you're feeling. Because a lot of times, even though that we're functionable and we're able to do things, you really don't know how the person is actually feeling. Because when I'm a, when you're around people, you will still, when you go home, you still go back to that feeling. Um, once after you acknowledge it, why do I feel this way? I need to know why I feel like this. And to, it was the disconnect of with God and with people because of your past and because, you know, you make excuses of why we do what we do as well. Also, when you being able to understand that God never leaves you and he never forsakes you, you have to also understand that God is always, there with his ear listening to you. And I heard you talk about, many times you have talked about writing a journal. Um, I remember where that I couldn't even get to to do something like that. My, my thing was I had to continue to cry out and ask him 
for help because I didn't know why I was feeling this loneliness. But as I talked to him, as I cried out to him, he showed me issues that I was going through, things that I was holding on to, and that's when once I was able to let that go, then I was able to feel the love of God. And once you remove yourself and being able to, once again, acknowledge all the issue, because a lot of times we want to continue to bury it. We want to continue to stay right there because we don't want the unfamiliar of the change and we don't want to deal with that or we don't want to change, right? So with God, um, with God and you crying out to him, yes, you can hear. He's going to show you. He's going to also show you how to get out because we go through things, right? So when we go through, that shows that there's a door on the opposite side where they, when you get over on the other side, you're able to help somebody else. I was listening to when y'all were saying about doing different things of for you to get out and to be able to help someone else, and that's what you have to do. You have to get to a place of what do you like to do, and in that, because you'll be able to help someone else in telling your story and hearing their story and being able to bring somebody else out of it because you'd be surprised of how many from the door to the pulpit of how many people are sitting day in and day out coming and doing the acts like a robot and are feeling lonely. I found that there's some preachers that get up and preach <laughs> that are lonely, right? So you have to be able to deal with that and know that God has you and know that he is a deliverer because he delivered me from it. He will deliver you from it and where that you are able, that will be another ministry that he will plant in you to help someone else to come along with it and to be able to acknowledge that by sight, that spiritual discernment will be able to show you. But if you stay there too long, you will go backwards. And you do have to connect yourself with people that will be able to encourage you and don't have a motive. Mm. Mm -hmm. don't have a motive of why they're doing because you have to be able to plant your feet and ask God, show me what I need to do. Show me where I'm lacking. Show me who I need to talk to. Show me who I need to help. And if you stay in the presence of him, you'll be able to come through. And a lot of times, we don't want to tell people because we don't want people to talk about us. But if you don't get up and tell your story, because can't nobody tell your story like you can tell it. So if you don't get up and ask for help, how can we help you? How can I help you help you? If we don't be able to tell our story and being able to say, I need somebody, Lord, show me what I need to do. If you don't do it and you don't cry out to him, and you don't continue to stay in his face, how can you get delivered? Is it hard? You make it hard. Because we fight against, how they say you fight against the grain? If you fight against it, but you have to have a made-up mind, I don't want to feel this no more. I don't want to. The Bible tells me that he loves me. 
The Bible tells me that he will never leave me nor forsake me. The Bible tells me for me to be able to show love. How can I be friendly and how can I show love to someone if I can't love me first? So you have to be able to go in and be able to show and be able to tell somebody because the enemy wants you to stay for it to stay a secret so he can keep you isolated. And that's what I had to find out. He wanted me isolated because he didn't want me to speak. He didn't want to. But know that the power that, that God has put inside us for us to be able to pull ourselves out, the wisdom that he gives us, the understanding, being able to know, acknowledge your situation. You won't feel lonely no more. And let me tell you, he's the best love ever because he is love. And he will bring you through whatever. And once you acknowledge who he is and who you are to him and being able to show that love, you'll be able to come out of that and be able to help your brother and your sister. And because a lot of times it also goes generational too. And you'll be able to turn even your family around for those who feel the same thing because it's can be dangerous if you stay isolated. But when you open up your mouth and give your whole heart, my God, give your whole heart to him and ask him to wash you from inside out, he will do it because he's right there waiting for us, waiting for you to call on his name and ask him for the help because he's always listening and know that who he is, and he is the only one that will bring you through it. So just be able to trust and believe in him and know that he is God. Get back connected with God, and he will bring you through it. Amen. Amen. Amen, Pastor Charlene. Thank you so much for your contribution today in that Faith Over Fear segment. And we give God thanks and pray you have a blessed day. You all do the same. Thank you, thank you. Ah, oh, benediction for today. Romans eight thirty eight and 39. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And again, that's Romans eight thirty-eight and 39. I actually did something while I was listening to Pastor Charlene that I don't normally do. And Shantice, you know, this is her thing. Uh, I don't, the, the, the definitions. And listening to the ladies um, talk this morning, they did such a fine job. And I wanted to actually get the quote-unquote official definition of lonely. And it says, sad because one has no friends or company. And two, without companions, solitary. And I was so glad that we did close down with, because that was not a point on the list, but as I was looking at the list, I was actually looking for that point, and I didn't see it, but I knew it in my heart. 
you know, lonely, you're really not alone. And like I said a little while ago, I remember moving on my own and it was just me. And I remember being very lonely and I, I didn't know the Lord like I know the Lord now. And just every once in a while, I would just, like I said, pick up the phone to make sure there was a dial tone. And to actually see people do it on TV, I laughed because I hadn't seen anyone do it at that time. But I did it on my own, and then to later on see people do the same thing, you know, while they're showing them alone and, you know, in the house by themselves and blah, blah, blah. And I, I thought about it, and I said, I'm so glad I know God now. I am so happy to have learned, you know, how God can, you know, just fill you and keep you from staying there. And one of, uh, I saw one of one of the ladies said about the, uh, oh, it may have been Pastor Charlotte, about pastors. Um, who are people on the pulpit, and we've talked about that on on Church Folk Day on Tuesdays about how you know people you know who are actually clergy have committed suicide. Um, how you can have a spouse. One week we talked about even having a spouse, but not being able to really talk. And we don't know why people arrive at feeling lonely. Why do people arrive? at, you know, sad because one has no friends or company, uh, being without companions or solitary, because we know that as, you know, clergy, we definitely have people around us. But again, I said earlier, you know, they say that you can be lonely in a room full of people. Again, that that lonely is an individual feeling. No one can tell you, um, you know, how it is to feel lonely in your life or how you shouldn't feel lonely in your life, or what it, what it is that you need, you know, uh, well, how don't, don't arrive at loneliness, because we don't know. We actually don't know um, what happens in an individual's life that even helps them to arrive there. But one of the ladies also said, and I believe it was Elder Natisha, that you can be in, you know, your whole day is full, and then at the end of the day, you go home and you feel lonely. Again, it's an individual thing, so you can't determine or dictate how a person gets there, um, but we can help you, you know, to make suggestions as, as, as has been done to, you know, focus, refocus how to change um, the way you look at things and to remind you there's not a friend, no, not one like Jesus, and a lot of times, you know, is, is loneliness um, something that you're feeling but that's not real? Possibly. But again, who can determine that? But we do know that if you give your life to God, a lot of that will shift. That if you do feel lonely at one point, you don't have to stay there, and you won't stay there. You know, it's the same thing with any other emotion. You know, angry, depressed. You know, you you can get there, but you don't have to stay there. 
and and that's the key to today. That's the key as to what we're talking about. You know, you you can come from a big family. I've heard people say they were like one in eight kids, but they still felt alone. They still felt lonely. And that, that woo, is that a place to be where you've got like seven, eight other siblings surrounding you, and they, they have said, you know, we were never separated. How could you be separated? We lived in a small apartment. You know, every, every, there was always somebody around, and sometimes I wish I could be by myself. But even in all of that busyness, even with all of those people around, I still felt lonely. And we want you to know that you don't have to be there. You don't have to be there because there's a God that knows exactly what's going on. There's a God that knows exactly where you are, exactly what you need. Like Shanti said, you know, he'll send you those people. You know, sometimes we crave to be by ourselves and somebody keeps knocking on the door or somebody keeps ringing the phone. And we're, I just want to be by myself. But God is trying to keep you from getting into that isolated feeling. He's trying to get, keeping you from getting in that isolated position, that moment. Because if you stay there, it's only downhill. You know, First Peter 5, 7 says, casting all your anxieties on him. All your cares on him because he cares for you. He cares for you. You know, the Bible also tells us that God is close to the brokenhearted. We're never alone. We're never alone. I don't care what is going on. I don't care what is not happening. I don't care what it is that you don't have. I don't care what it, who it is that you don't have. You know, a lot of times you find people, you can never find them by themselves. You know, they break up with one person, already they have attached to someone else. Before they could even break up with somebody, they've always got somebody hanging in the wing. So when that moment comes, and it, that's a bad place to be when you can't spend some alone time with God because it was said that that time is crucial that time is vital because you get to know who you are when you spend time alone with God. You get to know what God needs from you. You get to know what you're missing. You get to know what's, what's existing and you need to get rid of. Spending that alone time with God. So sometimes when we're feeling lonely and we take that to God, then God will allow us to appreciate that alone time. So if we can just transfer that loneliness to alone time with God, that would make the difference. So you want to make sure that you are always spending that time with God so he can transfer any lonely feeling into a real connection with him. You've been listening to It's Due Time with Pastor That's Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Where we discuss matters of the heart, mind, and spirit. As you go through your day, be sure to set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. 
they will only serve as a distraction. Remember, prayer changes things. It's Pastor Steph signing off, and I want to thank my due time crew, the ladies, for always coming through big time for us <laughs> and uh, helping us, uh, you know, get it set straight. Woo! Thank you for hanging out with us and helping us do what we do. Please do not miss this opportunity to give Christ your life right now. Please do not miss this opportunity to strengthen your relationship with the Lord because later is not promised to any of us until tomorrow, God spares, where it's Therapeutic Thursday. I love you.